When I met the Lord, I started writing Jesus songs, worship songs in my bedroom and didn't really plan to show anyone ever. <laughs> uh, it was just me and the Lord and communion and just a really intimate time. Just honestly, just me being really vulnerable with him. Like, here's a Jesus song for you, Jesus. <laughs> Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio. Hosts James Curtis talk to artists and industry insiders to discover the connection between music and faith. You can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash between the grooves or via Twitter at between grooves. Welcome to Between the Grooves, your look at music, ministry, and everything in between with today's top Christian artists. This is episode 217, and our guest today, Baylor Wilson, someone that's had a whirlwind of activity in her life over the last little while. Talk about accomplishments and dreaming big. We'll talk about how she got to where she is today and about her current radio hit, Jesus Happened. But before we do, just a quick heads up about our upcoming Christmas episode, where we bring back many of our previous guests from the last year to share stories, some funny, some serious, but meaningful nonetheless. And we just might have a surprise or two as well. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can get alerted as soon as it drops. Okay, let's get between the grooves with artist, singer, songwriter, Baylor Wilson. Signal, it sounds like you're almost here. Awesome. Well, hi, James. I'm Baylor. Hey, Baylor. How you doing? (laughs) I'm awesome. I I like that your name is James. That's my husband's name. Oh, well, there you go. See? So, I dig it. Great people have the the name James. I know. Only great. So I got to say, first off, you never, you're never sad. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Maybe I should start posting pictures of me weeping. No, no, no. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't say that you're not serious. You're just always happy. You've always got something positive to say or or to tell people about. And that's, uh, that's in this day and age, that's refreshing, you know? Wow. Thank you. That's so that is such a compliment. I receive it. Instead of whining and complaining about circumstances, right? right? So Right. And now one of the things that's put a smile on your face recently is the new addition to your family. <laughs> Willow Pillow Girl. That's her nickname. Her name's Willow. She's a great Pyrenees puppy. And she's we, we did the math last night. I think she's fourteen weeks now. So she's hilarious. I mean, literally this morning she was out running in the front yard and it's of course all wet and she's digging and she's in her, I would say her toddler stage. Okay. So who's, uh, who's doing all the work then? Cause the toddler stage, <laughs> any, any small dog, any small puppy, they've, they're a lot of work when they're young. Yeah. She's, we actually house broke her a couple weeks back. She's pretty smart. She's actually like one of the easiest puppies. Well, I've only had a few other dogs, but my mom did all the work growing up. So I don't know if I can even count that, but my husband's had a lot of dogs and he says that she's like a diamond in the rough. Like I don't, I mean, of course there's little puppy things here and there where she'll bark for attention or, um, you know, have an accident in the kitchen where this is her room. Her, the kitchen is her room. Right. So right now she's literally laying asleep behind me because we wore her out before this interview. So she wouldn't bark during it. Right. <laughs> right. Well, that's the, that's the key with puppies too is, or, or any dog, I suppose is just to wear them right. out if, if you want the yep. peace and quiet. So if you're going to go out for a long walk, just, you know, yep. let them run, let them get that exercise. And then that's right. And, and it's almost like, it's almost like a baby in a sense, because when my kids were small, 
small, I would nap when they napped. It was the best thing in the world, right? Right. So, oh, it's it's incredible. If she falls asleep in the middle of the day, you better believe I'm laying down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? So you've had the dog for a few weeks. You said 14 weeks, yeah. but you didn't get her when she was brand new. No, I didn't. Uh, we got her off Craigslist of all places. Oh, okay. Uh, my husband, I was like begging my husband for weeks, maybe months for um, a dog. And I was like, I'm looking up breeders. And of course that can be very expensive and I'm not against breeders, but it can just get pricey. And he said, listen, if you find a good one on Craigslist, we'll go get her tonight. I was like, oh, You've got a deal. <laughs> and did you get the dog that night? Uh, the next day. We oh, okay. texted with the people and I made sure it wasn't sketchy or, or weird. And, and of course, we didn't commit until we saw Willow. Right. Um, and I, it was the funniest situation. We drove out to East Tennessee about an hour and a half from where we live in Nashville. And it, it was um, nighttime because my husband gets off work at five and it got dark by the time we got there. And so we had a flashlight and the farmer guy that had all these puppies in his on his farm was like, all right, come see the dogs. And we're in the pitch black because there was no house on the land. Right. <laughs> and so we just walked out there and with a flashlight and there was four puppies left. And we kind of just did a little personality test where I like called a few of them to me and some of them were kind of skittish and she just walked right over. Oh, it was nice. pretty easy. Yeah. So what about training? Training has been really interesting um in a good way like i have learned so much discipline by being disciplinary to her yeah um so the first two weeks were really rough um just because she's so little and you know getting to know a new space and she's a farm dog so so i taught her how to not be a farm dog um right. because we don't have a farm right now we might eventually have one but right now we, we live in the city um she has land to run outside like we, we live on a a bigger property than like small townhouses. But she came home and the first week, man, she slept for like three hours at a time throughout the night. But we were so committed that my husband and I took turns taking her out throughout the night and we house broke her. I mean, she, she, now she sleeps through the night. We get a full eight hours. It's pretty nice. amazing. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. always they always say when you get a dog, when you do the training part, really you're, you're training the human, not the dog. Right. Totally. Yeah. That, that is the truth. Yeah. I mean, we, she, I think, like I said, toddler stage, she's getting a little bit more bitey just because she's confident now. So she's, uh, we, we are considering sending her to a training camp just because she's going to be a huge dog. Right. And I don't, I don't pretend like I'm a dog trainer. Um, I've taught her how to sit and shake and lay down and that's it. <laughs> you know, I've heard of the camps. I've also heard of where the trainer comes to your house and spends, you know, right. an hour, uh, two or three times a week for the next few weeks, just going over yes. stuff and it's more personable, but I'm, I'm not sure what the cost difference is. We, I had a dog yeah. growing up as well. And then, and we, we got a small puppy a few years back and we don't have it anymore because, Aww. well, it, it was a lot of work and he had some health issues uh, he was yeah. a, he was allergic to something and we think it was the carpet in our house oh and, man and so what do you do right so he was yeah, get, you, getting these yeah. rashes and stuff like that but but the other part of it too was uh, it was getting costly with the vet bills because of that yep and it was a lot of work for me now my kids were young but I had yes. said to them, you guys want a dog, you guys got to help out. And I, I'll point the finger at them now, but they'll, you know, 
they'll they'll uh, defend themselves saying we were too young or whatever but uh, i was you know my wife and i were doing all the work and and it was just like you know what i I mean i get no joke i get up early in the morning to do the morning show at the radio station i don't need to have that responsibility of walking the dog just because i'm up right and then what do i leave it for the kids to do and and hopefully it happens you know so we just decided you know what with all that's going on uh it just wasn't right for us to have a dog now my my daughter would love to have a dog right right but I just don't, I don't have that level of commitment from her and her brother that they would actually do the work. Yeah, well, I can tell your sweet daughter, if she ever listens to this, that I was not ready until I'm 27 years old and I still had a couple of breakdowns in the first week. <laughs> right, right. Of just like, this is so much responsibility, you know, like it's an animal and, and it's, it is similar to a baby, not the exact same thing, but, but you have to take them out, go potty and, and feed them and, give them water and make sure they go to the doctor and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. It's, so it's nice I, to have a dog a when the good times happen, but there's the bad times too. And that's the <laughs> yeah. dog's sick. The dog needs to go for a walk. You yes. got a stoop and scoop. You got to feed the dog. Yes. You got the vet bills, everything else. Yeah. There's a lot that goes yeah. behind the scenes and, and a lot of people just see the good things on social media with the right. dog or whatever. Right. So, right. They don't see the, the bending over backwards, looking for the poop in the backyard. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> So Well, there you go. Now, it's been a lot of work for you, too, career-wise. I know a lot of people don't really see all the hard work that it takes to get, you know, where you are today. Um, and for you, music, writing music, you know, getting right. gigs whenever you could, opening for other artists. I mean, that was that was uh, quite a bit of time there. And, and then there was a lot of other stuff you did even before graduating college. Can you share some of that stuff with us? Yeah, yeah. So as far as music goes right now in my life, um, over the last year and a half, um, I have been just hitting the ground running in a, in a whole new genre for me, but also just a whole new level of trust in the Lord. Um, just because when I, when I met Jesus, which I'll talk about in a little bit, I completely surrendered music. I was, I was in country music at that time and writing full time on music row in Nashville for Brad Paisley's publishing company. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome. Um, but my heart was struggling. And so when I met the Lord, um, fast forward, I started writing Jesus songs, worship songs in my bedroom and didn't really plan to show anyone ever. (laughs) Uh, it was just me and the Lord and communion and just a really intimate time. Just honestly, just me being really vulnerable with him. Like, here's a Jesus song for you, Jesus. (laughs) Right. And, but then I started to realize I showed a few friends that are, uh, fellow sisters in Christ and they would send me text messages like, Hey Baylor, like I'm worshiping to this in my car. And it was just like a janky work tape, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And so I, so I started praying about what to do and, and the Lord directed me to, um, a friend that I had in the industry who is a manager. His name is Michael Blanton. And he actually managed Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith, uh, pretty much like from the beginning of their career and, and no longer is now, but he's still close friends with them both. Um, and pretty much started their whole career. And so, and I had run into him seven years prior to that moment when the Lord brought him to mind. And I was like, wait, why Michael, God, what are you, what are we, what are we going to do? And, and so I, I reached out just by faith and we got breakfast and basically he said, are you going to let me manage you? And I was like, what? Hmm. Okay. And so the Lord, I realized that the Lord, the Holy spirit was leading me um, to start building my team. 
and you know, a totally redemptive brand new team. Uh, it kind of felt like starting from scratch, but, but also not because God had totally used, um, the country music scene to prepare me in a different way. Um, just like my writing and the craft of music and learning how to, how to be in music, you know? And so then, uh, yeah, over the last year and a half, I've written a ton of Jesus songs, Christian music. Um, I'm so happy about it. We put four songs out on an EP. Two of them have gone to radio. I have a second single right now that's at radio uh, being pushed and promoted. And um, yeah, I've played shows over the last couple of months and I, I did 80 uh, stops for radio tour. So I went to 80 different stations around the country over the last let's see, since February of last year. Uh, so The radio tour, that that's a really fast-paced thing as well. Like you're, you're visiting a whole bunch yeah. of stations you know, in a, in a week, in a day, in a week yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. So like if I, would, if I was out for four or five days, I would probably see about 11 or 12 stations, Yeah. Um, which sounds like how do you even get that in? How do you even fit it all? I don't know, to be honest. Uh, my sweet radio rep at my label, Janie is her name. She is the most organized human being I've ever met. And thank God, because I'm not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and she kept us kept us going on the road. I mean, she would drive me from station to station all around the country. You know, Some of them were a lot closer. Um, up in the Northeast, I would say we were, you know, it was only about an hour and a half to two hour drives. And then other ones were a lot further. I mean, there was a, I think we had like a six hour drive at one point um, from station to station, just trying to get there as fast as possible because it's, you really do want to fit it all in um, so that we're not taking up their time. They're not taking up too much of mine, just all that. Yeah. You got to no, you you, be able to fit it. Yeah. You want to maximize your time if you're going to be out there, you know, use right. every, every second, every minute that you have for sure. That's right. Yep. Yeah. It was a lot of uh, dry shampoo for me because I'm a girl <laughs> <laughs> and sleeping in different hotel rooms and, you know, just getting out to walk for five seconds because your butt hurts from sitting in a car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My brother did a drive from British Columbia uh, in Canada all the way to Ontario where, where I am. And uh, Whoa. and I've done the drive too, and it is a long drive. You need to take those breaks. And and yes. I did it in, I think I did it in a record time of three and a half days or something like that. And I had to do it because <laughs> I had a I had a gig that I had to go to. Um, on, wow. I think I left on the Sunday night or or the Monday or something. But I had a gig on the Thursday that I had to go to. So you know, it's just going as fast as you can. My my brother when he drove it, he left his wallet in his pocket his back pocket the whole time oh. and and his bum was numb for months after that <laughs> i believe that <laughs> that is like the first rule you've got to tell him never to do that i know so Take i mean I, wallet out. that's right i learned from that and did not travel with a with a wallet in my pocket i just kept it you know separate or whatever else but yeah that's yeah, what happens when you do a lot of is, driving yeah it's exhausting but it's so rewarding i think radio tour for me you you mentioned that I did some things before I graduated college, and one of those I'll just mention now was I was on Survivor, yeah. um, season twenty nine, Blood versus Water, and honestly, Radio Tour kind of felt like Survivor two point right. <laughs> but in a different way. That sounds a little dramatic, but because I wasn't starving, I was actually eating too much food. Uh, at every every single radio visit, we would eat a meal with the people, you know, and but it was different because you are you're meeting new people and you're getting to know their personalities and you're, you know, hopefully pouring into their ministry and 
getting to know what Jesus is doing in the little cute radio station that they run, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so it was just, but I think the, the longevity of the travel kind of felt like survivor for me. Um, just being gone from home. I had just gotten married and, and the Lord sent me out immediately. So <laughs> it was, it was definitely a, um, just a patience tester and, and trusting God that like, this is the time that you chose for me to go on radio tour. So here we are. And it's not just radio tours either. I've heard from a number of artists over the last year and a half uh, where, you know, when you're traveling on a tour and everybody looks at the glamour of, you know, you get to go to all these different cities and be on right. stage and stuff. But there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, a lot of a lot of work, a lot of stuff that you never see the yeah. ex- exhaustion, the, the you know, the tiredness, right. the, the the fact that you have to sleep in a hotel again and, and being yep. in, an un- in an unknown city and all that stuff. And, you know, a lot of people don't recognize that part of the deal, but that is part of the deal. And and one of the, the common consensus I got from artists were, especially with the pandemic, were the fact that they weren't able to do these tours, that when the tours did start back up again, the tours were actually smaller stretches of time. So it would be, you know, wow. maybe three, four, five days, and then they get to go back to their family. And they felt like that was a really long time, even though previously they'd gone for two or three weeks <laughs> stretches, right? Yeah. So, it's so interesting when everything gets taken away, you know, and you, you're forced to, to rest. Yeah. And and <laughs> um, I, I guess get priorities in, in place too, right? That's I, right. I think a lot of people's right. priorities have changed over the last year and a half. Absolutely. I hope so. You know, I know they have for me. I'm so grateful to be when I'm home I'm so grateful to be home yeah and when I'm traveling I'm grateful for the opportunity to be traveling for music and for Jesus like to be sent out by him to sing about him for him like that's the dream yeah yeah so so let's let's talk about your debut Christian song uh, Jesus happened can you tell us about it there's a story behind it isn't there yeah there's a there's a story indeed um yeah so in 2017, I had graduated from Belmont University. Uh, I was a year out of school at that point, but I was, like I said, writing country music full time. I had signed a publishing deal before I graduated, which was kind of um, a, not normal. Uh, that's all my friends were like, how's this happening? I was like, I don't know. Um, but I was very grateful to be signed and believed in during that time. And so I'm writing country music full time. I was, um, you know, playing shows, playing places like the Bluebird Cafe and all these famous places in Nashville that people want to play. Yeah. And so like we're talking about on the outside, it looked amazing. Like I was, you know, hashtag living the dream, like people say. Uh, but on the inside, on in my heart and in my spirit, I was spiritually dying. I mean, I didn't really realize it at the time, but I was starving um, spiritually. I didn't know you know, I was loved. I was searching in relationships for that, you know, just all kinds of things. I had, I had a lot of past pain that I didn't know how to deal with. Um, so much unforgiveness from, for myself. Um, and yeah, I was just living in sin and didn't know it, didn't know there was freedom available. And to top it all off, I called myself a Christian. So that was confusing. Uh, you know, there was this one day where I was sitting at a coffee shop here in Nashville, which is a very normal thing for me. And I think a it's a normal, mine, that's a normal thing for a lot of people in Nashville, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's kind of a thing. Like if you don't know the local coffee shops or you don't drink coffee, I kind of question, I don't question you, but I just question if you've ever had good coffee. Right. Uh, Because once you've had good coffee, it's hard to go back. Like I unfortunately am now a bougie coffee drinker. And so when I'm on radio tour and I'm looking for the local coffee shop, my, you know, my radio rep is like, can you just have McDonald's? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Like I can't, uh, you know, and obviously I, I, I do sometimes drink that, but I enjoy bougier coffee, uh, just nice coffee beans. Yeah. And that's my coffee rant for today. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but anyhow, so I was sitting at this coffee shop and a friend of mine from college walked in that I hadn't seen in a while. She, uh, ended up leaving college before we, we all graduated and she moved back to town and she comes over to me and we start chatting and of course in full like girl fashion we were like oh my gosh Lisa Baylor hi oh no and, and uh, the problem is I can I can picture that too I can just visualize yeah. what you're talking about oh I'm sure everybody in the coffee shop was like could you guys tone it down please uh but we couldn't we were so excited and and you know, she started talking to me about what she was up to. And I could tell that something was different about her. She had always been kind of a, a positive person, but this felt different. This felt um, like light, literally, like I felt like I was experiencing radiance on her face. Um, and she asked me what I was doing that Friday, that upcoming Friday. And I was like, I don't know, going out. I don't know why. And she said, well, you need to come to this worship night with me, Baylor, you would love it. Like I have been radically transformed by Jesus. And I was like, Oh, you know, in my, in my head, I'm thinking that sounds awesome. Like, but I don't really, in my head, I'm like, I don't need that. Like I know Jesus. Yeah. But for whatever reason, she texted me later that week and was like, here's the address. I hope to see you there. And I decided to go. So I show up to this address. She sends me thinking, you know, it's going to be like a church or maybe like a pastor's house or I don't know something churchy and it was an auto body car shop (laughs) okay out of all things it was uh yeah an auto repair shop in off the highway in nashville off 65 and i walk in to this worship night and these people i don't know what it was other than that they were actually worshiping actual god um it wasn't a show there was no performance um something felt different. And for me, it was refreshing because that was all I had known, you know? And so I walk in and, and I experienced the tangible presence of Jesus. Like they were, I don't know how to, the way that I explain it most of the time is they, they were worshiping God. And because of that, they, they weren't really focused on me. Like it wasn't all about the brand new person. I mean, they, they said hi and hello and they were nice, but they were focused on God. And that was really attractive to me um, because I had always been kind of either A, lifted up on a pedestal or been put into leadership immediately or, you know, you name it. Um, I had that young potential that I think a lot of people want to use in their ministry. Um, And this was just not that. It was so pure. It was so um, holy. And they, they ended up preaching the gospel that night. And I don't know if I had ever heard the gospel or if God in that moment um, unclogged my ears, spiritually speaking, but I heard the gospel and I gave my life to Christ that night. I mean, I, I was weeping all my makeup off. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I was a, um, yeah, I was repenting and turning my life over to Christ. And so after that night, I was changed. I mean, he, Jesus literally, um, caused my heart to completely be his 
And so I returned to my co-writes the next week and people would be like, Baylor, you look different. You sound different. Like, you don't want to write this anymore. Like, what do you want to do? You know? And I was like, I don't know. And I started like bringing my Bible to these co-writes. And I mean, I'm sure I came off as like a little preacher girl, but I didn't care. I was so in love with Jesus. And so I was so hungry for truth and I had finally found it that I just wanted to tell everybody. It kind of felt like the woman at the well, you know, just Jesus names everything she's ever done. And she runs back to the town and is like, everybody, that's kind of how I was. Right. Now, do you Uh, think, do you think you would have been, well, do you think you uh, may have been more open-minded given the fact that it was an auto body car shop versus a church building? You know, if you walk into a church, you have these preconceived ideas of what to expect. And because this was different, maybe, you know, it wasn't that typical church building. Maybe you were a little bit more open-minded. Absolutely. I mean, I think for me in that season of my life, I think I, I think obviously God knew that I needed an encounter with him in a, in a unique experience. Um, now I'm not saying you can't have a unique experience in a church. I do believe you can. And I am a firm believer in church and that worship night actually became my church. We're all, we're a little small church in Nashville now, but I think in that moment, his sovereign plan for me was, I'm going to meet you in the most odd, unexpected place. So you know that you know that you know that I am God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, th- I mean, that that's what I needed. <laughs> I always joked with people. I was like, God has to make things really obvious for me because I'm a, I'm a realist. Um, and, and he did. I mean, he totally proved himself to me in that moment. Um, it's not like fire appeared in a burning bush, but, um, but his presence was so thick. I mean, there's, there is like, um, a word in theology called kabod glory, and I'm not a theologian, but it, it, from what I've learned and read, it feels like, um, almost like a heavy weighty presence around you, just kind of like an invisible blanket. And that's what I felt in that moment. And I was like, this feels like peace that I've been looking for my entire life. So either this is some weird stuff or this is God, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and it was God. And I was so grateful that the word backed that up later. You know, I, I would, I, cause I would study the word after that night. I didn't just go and have an encounter and then like feel amazing every day after it sounds like that sometimes, but that's not what happened. Um, you know, I went back and I had to lay my life down. I mean, it literally, the Bible says, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. It's not, there is a, a cost to be counted, you know? And, and so for me, you know, I left, I didn't even have to leave my friend group. They kind of all left me because I, I think I started annoying them with how much I talked about Jesus. <laughs> uh, but I didn't care. Again, like I said, he made himself so real and he started meeting every need that I was, that I was seeking in every other way and other places, other people. Um, I was allowing him to be my comforter. I was allowing him to be um, my father, my friend, my, you know, my counselor, my great physician, all the things that he is, um, my healer. And so when I started allowing him to do that, yeah, I think, uh, it was definitely because one of the reasons was because I didn't meet him in a church. And then of course now I love serving in my church and, and it has come full circle, but I think that's a really interesting point. Yeah. You, you said that you define yourself as a realist. Can you, can you define that for me? And and the reason why I ask <laughs> the reason why I ask is because I I tend I think the term I used for for myself is a pessimist, um, <laughs> I, and and that could have the you know negative 
part to it. But for me, right. uh, like if, if you listen to a preacher or watch a preacher on YouTube or whatever else, right. and, and they make a statement, and they might be a great preacher and everything else, but they make a statement. I'm the type of guy that takes a step back and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just because you said that, <laughs> just because you said that, I mean, it may be true, but it may not be biblical. Or that is right. Or just because you said it doesn't make it true. Just because you're some famous guy, right? Right. Oh, that's 100% me. We're on the same page. I, I've never said pessimist, but I can see how that would be, um, you know, a more relatable term to people so they can understand. Yeah. I, w- I will say that realist. Um, can have an interesting context too, because it's not like I'm sitting here demanding God to give me a sign. Right. Um, right. because I don't think that that's loving or kind or trusting in him, but I do think that he will give you a sign in his timing. Uh, it may not be exactly what you expected. Um, but when it, when it comes to being a realist or, or like you said, a pessimist, I think it, there is wisdom in testing the spirit. Um, the Bible says to, first of all, Uh, And second of all, I think that there's so many messages and so much noise, like you said. I mean, I could be a pastor if I was famous enough, you know, like. Well, no, actually, these days, anybody could be a pastor. All you need is a a social media page or whatever, and and you can make a name for yourself. But that's, That's I mean, everybody's an expert in everything now, right? So you may as well be a pastor. (laughs) I know, which is kind of scary to me. Um, I don't, I don't. Like when I start discipling people or when I am advising a friend or um, I very humbly always ask them, make sure or ask them or state to them, make sure when you're listening to a preacher or a pastor or a worship leader or me, make sure when you listen to me that you are testing what I say with scripture Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm a human and so are they. And whether their spirit is pure or not, it's not the time for judgment, but it is the time for discernment. And I think that. Um, a lot of people miss that. I think a lot of people just eat whatever they're fed instead of checking the meat, you know, yeah. like let's check the meat, let's check the milk. Let's make sure this isn't tainted, um, with opinion or with, um, false, pr- false gospel, you know, or, or emotion or emotion. That's right. Yeah. You know, I've said things in the past that were, you know, I was trying to say something biblical and emotion was attached and, and it's just not right, you mm-hmm. know? So yes, I think that when I say I'm a realist, I think that's what I mean is I'm, I'm a discerner. I pray that I'm more discerning. Um, and I pray that the church is more discerning that we as a body can, can actually put some work into digging into scripture. I think everyone's so lazy these days because of just, you know, technology and, um, you know, quick sermons being convenient. And, and I have, I'm not blaming anybody. I've been there. Um, you know, I go to a church where the sermon lasts too long sometimes and I get really annoyed because I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that doesn't mean that I'm in the right, <laughs> you know, at all. That means that, that it's okay to go eat lunch, but also maybe you should, should listen to what's being preached and, and, and also go home and open the Bible for yourselves. That's what changed my life is my pastors encouraged me to make sure that what they were saying, like I'm talking about right now was in the Bible, like go see for yourself. Um, go read the Bible. One thing that happened to my pastor that changed her life. She was a, um, a 40 year old worship leader that had no peace or joy and, and no Bible, which is really scary. Uh, and, and then the Lord encountered her, um, in her house and asked her to enter into rest. And he also asked her to open up the Bible as if she had never read it before and start over. 
Um, and I think that a lot of people would be, um, would be, it would be beneficial for them to do that, that, that if they could just lay aside all of the churchianity and, and the preconceived anything, maybe they got hurt in church as a kid, um, because of some leader, you know, going against the scripture. I don't know, but I do, that wasn't my story. So I think it was a little bit easier for me to start from scratch. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of my friends have had that story. And I think if you could, a forgive everyone you've ever been hurt by and B start over like in the scripture and let the spirit bring it to life. That will change your life. I mean, this is the Bible is all we have. That's unchanging. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like I could go on and on. Yeah, no, no. I, I like what you're saying about starting over. Sometimes it's, it's, it's so simplistic yet. Um, I think it's important. I think people get so caught up in, what right. they think the gospel is and what they think a Christian is. Right. And, and they, you know, they, they're sidetracked and, and they keep going in that direction. And, and I, right. I don't think they win in the end, you know, I think it, it's right. going to hurt them. And that's not always like their fault necessarily. I do think that the devil, that's his plan is to get Christians distracted and too busy for God. And, um, you know, just <laughs> anxious little robots sometimes, you know, I think that's what he wants. If you, I don't know if you've ever read screw tape letters by CS Lewis, but it's one of my favorite books of all time because it gives us as Christians insight into, Oh, like this is what the devil's trying to do to me and I don't have to do it. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I can actually live in freedom with peace and joy. Like the Bible says I can. Oh, okay. You there know, it is. That, there it is. Yeah. There it is. There's yeah. like true, true belief in a God that loves us and doesn't want us to just live miserable lives. I mean, yes, he promised trials, but he also promised peace in the midst of them. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I think, I think starting over is always, I mean, every day is a new day. Yesterday, my faith might've been, you know, a 10 and this morning it might've been a two, but I want to get it to a 10 every day. You know, that's, that's my goal is, and the way I do that is by, you know, um, what is, what does he say in the old Testament? I think it's in Samuel or somewhere. I'm not good at, at, at quoting scripture, but I think David encourages himself in the Lord. I think that's what it is. Um, I think it was David. Do you know? I, I think you're right, but I'm not sure where. Yeah. He encourages himself in the Lord. And what that means to me is listening to a worship song until you connect it to God. Um, you know, opening the scripture and reading until you understand, uh, going on a walk with a friend and letting them pray for you, asking for prayer, you know, just going outside and, and thanking God for the trees. I mean, it can be as simple as you want it to be. Um, it doesn't have to be like going and reading commentary till 3am. Although I do like that sometimes. Sometimes uh, it's uh, shutting off social media. Absolutely. Yeah. Shut that down every once in a while. It is, it can be such a distraction. And, and even for me, I've felt convicted lately with that. You know, it's hard as an artist, I think, cause you feel like you have to keep up with the Joneses. Uh, that's a term just to keep up with people that are doing social media 24 seven. Um, but, but man, it is so hard on your conscience when you are constantly staring at a screen you know what i mean yeah i mean the social media for you as an artist and even me for for a certain extent with the fact that i'm in radio and i do a morning show and i've got a podcast happening and stuff mm -hmm. i i i don't like social media i'll be perfectly honest <laughs> I, I do it because i have to do it um i right. really i don't really don't care about how many follows i have and how many likes i have i really really don't care having right. said that 
um, I consider it part of my job. So if if right. I can set the boundaries in place as far as this is what I have to do for my job, but after my job, you know, now it's it's whether it's family time or other time, yeah. um, it's not job time. And so sometimes you have to put those those barriers up to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, this is my time. Why right. am I jumping onto social media now, right? Right. And that's that's discipline. You know, I think that that's very mature of you. And I think I'm learning that actually. I am implementing that exact mindset into my life that that social media for me is a job. It is it is my music. Um, it is ministry. And then I put it away <laughs> and I go into the secret place again and I spend time with Jesus. You know, I don't just post about it all the time. You right. know, I've, I've learned I've learned that the hard way that um, that God is jealous and he doesn't he doesn't want all of our time spent talking about him. He wants our time spent with him. Uh now, and then he also says, go talk about me. <laughs> but but the first part is so important. And you can't, I think we as as believers, I've totally been um, guilty of this. You know, I've had encounters with God and, and moments in scripture of revelation that he's given me, you know, about a certain verse. And I go and post about it. And immediately, instead of like letting it marinate, letting it, letting it grow, like letting the seed actually like land mm-hmm. before going out and preaching, you know, because, because something that my pastors teach me is you will be tested. Your faith will be tested. Um, and that's love. That's, that's, it's in the scriptures, uh, in one of Paul's letters, but he talks about when our faith is tested, then we have endurance, then we can run this race. Um, and so for me, I often, I always know that if I've, if I'm learning something and if I'm having like a, Oh my gosh, I want to tell everybody moment, I should probably just wait a day or two (laughs) and, and let, let the Lord completely, let that marinate in my spirit um, before going out and telling everybody. Right. Get all of it. Yes. Get yeah. all of it. Yeah. Let it let it really sink in because tomorrow or the next day, like I love when people joke, you know, I joke like when I pray for patience that day, I know for a fact I'm probably going to be in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, that is it. That's a test. You know, that's a, a beautiful test of, of my patience and of, you know, of the fruit. Like, am I going to, you know, deny myself in this moment or am I going to, get angry at the driver in front of me. You know what I mean? That, that can get really hard to do too, because if you're like me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I have a, I have a list, I have a list of things to do and I have a goal of completing that list by a certain time right. frame. And so everything's timed out in a sense for my day. So I know yes. that, you know, for work, this is what I got to do and I've got to do it within this time stretch and, and hopefully I can get it all done. If I don't, you know, it's like, well, I got to get it done. And then I get home <laughs> from work and I got this, this, this and do. And and then mm-hmm. once it's all done, then I can sit and relax. Whereas other people just <laughs> like, yeah, I got this to do, but I'll do it later. And, and they do, you know, they're not procrastinating, Yeah. but right. for me, I just want to get all the work done. I want to get all all the, the to-do list done, and then I can sit back and relax a little bit. So, yeah, being stuck in traffic, that could be really, really yep. devastating to my, you know, my mental state. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just one of those moments, like for me, that's such a, a very surface level example of traffic, but it's so real. Like when you're in traffic and you have a list like you and me do, and, and most people I'm sure that are listening that are list makers, uh, it can get really frustrating. And those are the moments where the true parts of your heart that are, are really down deep come up to the surface and you're like, "Woo, where did that come yeah, from? Yeah, exactly. Um, and those are the moments where you can say, okay, Lord, please forgive me. Like, you know, you are my priority. You will help me get this to-do list done. And that's where I really, I love praying in the car. That's, that's one of my favorite places to pray. For me, it's, uh, 
the car for me is is my phone calls. I, I, I don't want to take calls at home when I got other stuff to do or yeah. if I want to spend time with my family uh, or just, just chill and watch some Netflix or whatever. So <laughs> yeah. the car ride for me is part of it is listening to the news because I, I don't get a chance to listen or find out what's going on a lot when I'm at work. Uh, So I'll listen to the news, but if there's any phone calls I have to make, that's it. Like I'll, I'll have a list of these two people I've got to call and I don't care how long those conversations are, but that's my time to call. If I call and get voicemail, I'll leave them a a message or whatever. If they call me back now when I'm at home, sorry, I'm probably going to let it go to voicemail because that was, That's that's great. That's not my calling time anymore. Right. So that's that is boundaries. I mean, you should do a class. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I'm too black and white when it comes to that. So I, I might not I, I might not be the good person to have that. You might um, offend some people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, we, I, I love that. Now, we did take a little tangent, a little do, detour there. We were talking about Jesus happened. So yes. let's get back to that. Um, let's obviously, get back to it. obviously, it was from the, your experience at the auto body car shop. Uh, and then, of course, from there, you started writing something, I guess. Yeah. So after that night, I returned to my co-writes and people would ask me, Baylor, what happened to you? You're so different. And after telling the testimony a few times, uh, I shortened it down to two words. I said, Jesus happened, y'all. <laughs> and they were like, what do you mean? And so, you know, and then I would testify. But but after I said that, I, I remember just saying it over and over again. And one day I was sitting in a co-writing session with my producer, Jeff Pardo, and I was telling him this story and I'm like, yeah. And then I would say this, and then I would say, Jesus happened. And he goes, wait, what have you written that song? And I said, no, we should write that. That's a great idea. You know? And, and then we started talking about it. And this, one of the reasons the song is so special to me is because it's everybody's testimony. It's not just mine. You know, you are one way and then you meet him and he happened to you and he continues happening. And so that that is where Jesus happened. The song came from. Uh, I mean, I love the first verse. We literally decided to keep it very conversational. You know, I sing, what happened to you? I hear it all the time. They tell me something's different in my words and in my eyes. And, and oh, I thought you were going exactly- to I thought you were going to sing the rest of it. Oh, I was all, what you know, to you? here we go. I hear it all the time. They tell me something's different in my words and in my eyes. What happened to you? They see it on my face. They've got a million questions. All that I can say is Jesus happened in the blink of an eye. Every part of my life was changed. Jesus happened like a thief in the night. Started taking the lies away. And all my sin was forgiven The moment I met His grace That's when I started living And all that my heart can say Is Jesus happened Wow. You know what? Do you have an acoustic version of the song? I don't, but I should, shouldn't I? You should. should. And can I say very minimal on the instruments? You know how yes. a lot of acoustic songs that they'll start off with maybe a guitar and then it builds from there. Do not yeah. do that. Do not do just that. Just acoustic. Just just whether it's just your vocals or maybe guitar picking maybe in the in guitar. the background, like but but not strumming. Just like picking a little bit. Just to, that's so a you, great idea. So you stay on on key and stuff like that. But that yeah. would be amazing. <laughs> 
Seriously. Thank you. Well, I, I think more people like acoustic than they realize, um, acoustic versions, um, because it's raw and real. And like, that's why people travel to Nashville. One of the reasons is to go to writer's rounds where they hear the famous hit songs on acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, I, I will uh, implement that. We actually were talking about doing some acoustic videos soon. So thanks for saying that. There you go. Okay. And I want you to send it to me when you get it. Cause, <laughs> okay. Cause I will. We, we, yeah, I'll tell you about that in a bit, but we, you know, we love, we love the acoustic uh, songs. They're original, especially when people can relate to it lyrically, but also relate yes. to it in the sense that they've heard the original and and now they've got this version, which is so moving and powerful in its own right, you know? Yeah, totally. There's a different level of connecting. Yeah. Okay, look, um, there's so much more we could talk about, but we just, we just <laughs> don't have time. Um, Baylor, thanks so much for uh, hanging with us. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, really, you know, enjoyed our conversation. Awesome. Yeah, well, thank so. you for having me. And, and I'm sorry we had to reschedule a few times. I think there was some some life things. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what happened, but that's okay. Uh, it all worked but out thank in the end. you for having me. You're very welcome. And uh, enjoy, enjoy the puppy. I will. She's asleep this whole time. This is amazing. That's I can't great. Even, believe even it. with the singing, eh? that probably put her to with sleep again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's totally feeling, feeling the Lord right now. <laughs> Have a good one. You too. God bless. Hey, make sure you check out BaylorWilson.com to find the links to her music, events, social media, and so much more. Now, we just have enough time for some quick artist advice from a veteran in the CCM world, Scott Wesley Brown. God is more concerned with your character than he is your career. Wow, God more concerned with your character than your career. Powerful statements, some wise words from Scott Wesley Brown. Okay, that's a wrap for this week's episode. Thanks to Baylor Wilson for hanging with me. Don't forget to check out more episodes of Between the Grooves wherever you get your podcasts. And follow at Between Grooves on Facebook and Twitter. See you next time. Between the Grooves.